0: all right let's do some topics what do you got i got i got a couple what do dude you, i got you a bunch s- of good stuff all right let's pick one of yours
1: let, let's let do the satoshi and the paul LaRue thing because they're both really interesting um do you know let's do let's do which one do you want to do first
0: pa- i don't know who paul la rue is I you don't know who that. paul
1: la rue is okay
0: no. fucking great name though
1: dude listen like, to dude, this
0: how much more would i be worth if i was sean LaRue? at more, least Triple, a lot right <laughs> And I want respect what I get. He's yeah.
1: also African. He's from uh, South Africa, I think. Uh, so, Ben,
2: you're nodding a little bit like you know who this is. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I know who Paul LaRue is. He's kind of like... Um, uh, who's the guy we were talking about that you knew? Um, Ross Olber. He's kind of like if if Ross had been as crazy as everyone thought, but actually like 10 times crazier, that's Paul LaRue. Paul. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. All so right, let me, fill me in. Who's this all guy? Right.
1: So he's based. All right. So Paul LaRue, he's this big old fat, disgusting guy. He's like, <laughs> like <laughs> imagine. Like Jabba the hut <laughs> Yeah. Imagine like, have you seen South Park where they're like playing video games? And there's that fat guy on the computer who's like eating Cheetos. And like, yeah, went, yeah, yeah. he kind of looks like that. He's just a total slob, but he's yeah. this computer whiz. Yeah, Google him. Um, he's, like, disgusting. And it, that kind of fits the personality of, of, of the whole story. And there's this great book uh, that I'm reading. Uh, it's called Mastermind. It's about him. And basically, this guy always, like, kind of wanted to take over the world. And in around, like, 2002, 2003, 2004, he started this company called RX Limited, which basically sold Viagra and a couple other, like, Schedule II drugs. So, like, no, like... Um, he was able to sell some opioids but not like the famous ones things that are considered schedule two which is just one below between schedule one and he created this company called rx limited and in like three or four years it netted him hundreds of millions of dollars in profit and the do you remember years ago when you would get an email and it said like hey we sell prescriptions click here do you remember that like years and years ago when you're in high school and grade school
0: not really, but go on. Let's, let's say. Let me say yes. Go ahead.
1: Well, basically, and then like maybe you remember like going to like these websites where it, like just showed tons of drugs, and like you'd get text that says like buy drugs online. Well, basically, he created this website RX Limited, and then eventually he started like creating so many domain names that he created his his own domain registration system, and then eventually his network got so big he created his own email system because he didn't want anyone to uh, hack into his stuff. And at one point, he had like two or three thousand employees working at this place, mostly Filipinos, mostly working in call centers, and he had in Philippines and in Israel, because he said the Israeli guys were the hardest working for the cheapest, you know, the cheap, the, for the cheap rate. And he uh it was it was wild. And he and he had basically hundreds of different stores selling drugs. And the way it worked is he would somehow convince a doctor that he was like doing everything by the book. And technically, he kind of was doing everything by the book, but it just really quickly warped and did not. But basically, he had all these doctors in America in like Minnesota, Kentucky, Florida, like these relatively small doctors. And like, hey, we're a telemedicine service. Can you fill some of the prescriptions that we're doing? Um, it's all legal. And we'll just send you the, uh, the prescriptions that we need. And you just sign off. And we're going to send it to a pharmacy. So he would send it to a pharmacy and these local mom and pop pharmacies would be like, Oh, okay. Dr. X is, um, just called in this prescription. I'm going to ship it to the patient. No big deal. And so both the doctors and the patient, uh, doctors and the pharmacists, they all thought that they were mostly following the law. They're like, this is kind of weird that I'm now shipping out. I'm like a mom and pop pharmacist and I'm shipping out like 2000 orders a week. Like that's weird, but I have no reason to believe this is illegal. (laughs) And, Eventually, it did become highly illegal where like he it, it was just like you, you didn't need to see any doctor to get any these prescriptions. And at one point he was selling like 80 percent of all online drugs in America. It was something large. Wow. Ben, am I missing anything?
0: And
1: throughout doing this, this is where things get even crazier. So, like, this story in itself is already interesting. Literally, uh, it made, I believe, $400 million in profit in four years. One employee went to his apartment in Manila in the Philippines, and he said that he saw $100 million in cash in the house. (laughs) And this guy, like, didn't want the IRS to see anything, so he would just transfer it into gold because this was before Bitcoin was really around. He, He
0: lived in the Philippines?
1: He was uh, an African guy, so I believe he was born in like Cambodia and then moved to South Africa and then moved to the Philippines, or maybe he was like Zimbabwe, uh, something like that. But this guy had this like grandiose thinking, where he thought that he like he's like I owe it to the world to run the world. Very grandiose thinking, and so he hires these ex-Israeli guys to run the call centers. Eventually, he hires these ex-Israeli army guys to be his bodyguards. And in doing that, he starts learning a little bit about like arms dealing. And so eventually he buys thousands of acres of land in Zimbabwe and Somalia. And he was like, I'm going to raid an African nation and I'm going to set up like a country and I'm going to have my own. I'm going to be the leader of, of of a small African nation and hopefully eventually uh, a much larger nation, <laughs> like some crazy shit. Holy and shit. It, <laughs> it expands to the point where he's now an arms dealer. So he's selling guns to different parts of Africa. He gets in trouble for selling missiles to Iran. Like this guy gets into some crazy stuff. He's killing people along the way. He makes relationships with Columbia drug Lords and trades drugs, uh, pills for cocaine. And he starts selling a hundred millions of dollars worth of cocaine. And he was doing all of it, almost, almost all of it behind a computer. And eventually he gets caught. Now he's got, he recently in like three or four years ago was sentenced to 25 years in prison And that doesn't include what he's uh, convicted for in the Philippines. So after he gets out, if he gets out, he's going to go straight to the Philippines. In the U.S. or he's he's in in the U.S. But because he's like basically a drug lord, they won't say where he is. And so you can online, you can barely find any pictures of him other than one picture of his mugshot, and that's the only pictures that you the one where he looks like really big. That's his mugshot. That's the only picture that I've really seen of him recently. And uh, the guy, it, it, it's just this is it's one of the craziest books I've ever read. And what I i started talking to you about Satoshi, because a lot of people think they're like, well, we don't I don't I don't really. There's not a ton of evidence of that he uh, invented Bitcoin, but he was talking about like creating a digital currency early on when he was arrested. Satoshi quit blogging. And you could read a lot of this guy's emails. And that's really interesting. And that's kind of how I got to the other topic of Satoshi, where you can like read all of his old blog posts. But this guy, it's incredibly fascinating. He would have been an awesome business person had it not been for, you know, going the wrong route. But it's a crazy book.
0: What was in the emails?
1: You just see him commenting with people. So he was actually like a really good writer for a little while. And he even, uh, this guy is so interesting. He wrote guest posts, I believe for the Washington Post under a pseudonym talking about like the future of money and like all these weird economic stuff. But he, uh, he was somewhat eloquent and, but in person he was, uh, brutish. He was an asshole. He was disgusting. He would just, they would go to McDonald's and he wouldn't even talk to his employees. He would kind of tell him to F off. He wasn't very pleasant to be around. And, uh, but in the emails he wrote pretty, pretty nicely actually. What are you gonna say, Ben?
0: They found 500 pounds of cocaine on his yacht when it crashed,
1: which was worth like a hundred million dollars. (laughs) and he also owned a logging business in Somalia at one point he was like I'm going to create a business that will fend off so basically all the western countries driving through Somalia if they want the pirates not to talk to them I'm going to be the go-between and I'm going to get money from them and I'm going to pay the pirates off and take a little bit of profit he owned uh he owned that business he also was in the mining this guy did like at one point the DA the district of attorney of i believe new york said we think this is the most dangerous and powerful man in the world and all of it was done on the computer and he, he his his he was very early in all this like he's very kind of in the same ballpark as a lot of the crypto guys and like some of his ideas even though he was a criminal were like totally on point with the bitcoin stuff so it's super fascinating
0: yeah, there, there's an article that says how the case for why he might be Satoshi. I haven't read it yet, but I, when you're talking, I just pulled it up. You
2: say he did it all behind a computer, but and my research on this is old. I, I, I was looking at this story like a year ago. Um, but didn't don't I remember a story about him like throwing someone off his yacht and having people shoot them in the water or something like that? Yeah, but it,
1: in that particular story, he wasn't there, but he did kill. A lot of people think that he did kill one. So. Throughout this, Sean, he had his hitmen. He had hitmen that are now arrested, and they like kind of are spilling the beans. He had hitmen that would kill people, and there are a few occasions where they think he actually is the one who fired the bullet. So he and he did travel. So he would go to Africa. He would go here. But he, the guy, had like three thousand employees, and most of the employees had no idea who he was. And even there'd be times where he'd be managing. um, So basically, he had two Israeli brothers running this call center in Israel with like three hundred employees, and they had never met Paul. And Paul would talk to them via email. you know, as employees, and it's kind of like interesting because like anonymous work is something we've talked about, but that's pretty much how it was. So some of his employees had no idea who he was. So in a sense, it wasn't all behind a computer, but a lot of it was behind a computer.
0: This uh, this article I pulled up about him it says uh, he's the Jeff Bezos of of organized crime, and it says he's the uh, he's the digital El Chapo uh, because he was moving so much weight. He was he was given up for adoption by his birth parents. That rejection haunted him, and then it says um he was you know transformed himself to a programming genius who developed encryption software like e4m in the 90s he founded rx limited which was the black market for pharmaceuticals he was raking in 250 million dollars a year selling drugs weapons and murder for hire on the dark web
1: yeah well the, i think that actually the dark web thing is actually confusing because a lot of the stuff that he was doing was before tor was even around so right. a lot of the stuff he would do it wasn't even on the dark web and like this whole thing about spamming email, he was actually one of the originators of that. And so he uh, somehow hacked into a farm, pharma, uh, a pharmaceutical company, and stole something like hundreds of millions of email addresses. And he would spam these guys like crazy. And the reason why he bought all these domain names is a domain would get banned, then he would switch a domain. So it was uh, incredibly complex what he did. And he, uh, before he turned to the dark side, he founded a uh, or he built like a small open source product. That helped encrypt things, and uh, it eventually turned into this thing called TrueCrypt, which I actually think that thing is big. But uh, so, like, the guy was pretty genius. He he was amazing.
0: It says his first murder was he took his head of security. He said, hey, come to my house in the Philippines and dig a hole. I'm going to bury a safe filled with millions of dollars. And then the guy dug the hole and then he shot him with the machine gun right after that. That was the first his first taste of murder.
1: And then there's another there's another story where they they took a guy out into the ocean and they go, hey, let's just have a talk on our yacht. And they throw the guy in the ocean and they drive away. So he gets he freaks out and then he comes back and he shoots next to the guy and he goes oh no no just so you know i didn't miss i'm just trying to keep the sharks away because i want to talk to you and i need to know are you stealing from me and if you tell me quickly i'll kill you now if you don't tell me i'm just gonna shoot you in your leg and i'm gonna drive off and so like you the guy was really hardcore
0: yeah he makes you know whatever the wolf of wall street look like a, a small puppy um this guy's insane okay wow Never heard of this guy either. How'd you hear about him? How'd you how'd you find out about
1: so, him? So when I I tweeted out that I love like crime books and I I think I I had just finished uh, I forget what I had just finished but someone suggested this book called Mastermind and it's by this journalist that worked at Wired magazine and I've been reading this book and it's freaking crazy and even though this guy what he did was wrong. It does like actually inspire me to like live a more adventurous life. <laughs> well, I'm like reading this and
0: I'm
1: like, why am I so fascinated by this? Like, this is why I don't like watching Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, why does this excite me so much? Like, I am beginning to normalize this in my head and think this is OK. I can't watch this anymore. But I do think that there is a thing where like I can I need to have a little bit more adventure. I, you, you know, you could use it for good, but, you know, I read it and I'm like intoxicated by it.
0: <laughs> do you yeah, get that th- way? Yeah, I think that's why people love movies about, you know, prison, you know, prison breaks or they love it about bank heists and like why people play, you know, video games that have violence in them. It's like there's definitely like a part of us that, you know, this stuff appeals to. And like, you know, if you can get that outlet by just reading the book or watching the movie or playing a video game, like good, because, you know, you didn't it didn't translate in that that kind of deep rooted desire for like, you know, either adventure, thrill, power, um, you know, you know, whatever it is, doesn't have to like spill into your your normal life. Then,
1: yeah, and it, it it like inspires me a little bit in the sense of like, man, living life on the edge is crazy. I don't want to go to prison, but you should just uh, add
0: that to your bio. You know, top inspirations: Pablo Escobar, Paul Le russell Ross Alright. Yeah, so, but in, your in heroes. He,
1: <laughs> and one of the reasons why it's interesting is the, the the cool thing about criminals online is that you can read their correspondence. So like they got they when they arrested him he had his computer open and so they were able to like see a bunch of stuff and that's I really love that this era about criminals and uh, how you can like see it happening and that got me interested in these Satoshi posts so basically if you go to like uh, if you just Google like Satoshi you know the guys who created Bitcoin if you go to Satoshi blog posts you can act, I was reading all of his blog posts and the. What, what, what I found to be really fun is you go to his first blog post where he talks about introducing Bitcoin and you can go to the, the forum is still up. And you I, I spent about an hour looking at all the people commenting on it and Googling all of them and seeing what they're doing and what they're up to. And you could see them like reply like, Hey, Satoshi, you know, this is actually a really good idea. I've been tinkering with this. I went ahead and purchased 500 Bitcoins just to try it out. You know what I mean? It's really fascinating.
0: The the first few comments, I think, weren't uh, like, I think if I remember correctly, the original comments, like it's not like this thread blew up and people were instantly like genius. You know, this is a breakthrough. This is a genius idea. Right. Like, that's not what. uh, No,
1: it was like, this is cute.
0: Right. And so like, like literally the first comment. So, um, so, so, you know, there's, you know, Sep Halsberger says great stuff. This is the first real innovation. So this guy recognized it for what it is. This is the first real innovation uh in money since the bank of england started to issue promissory notes for gold in the vaults which became banknotes i believe an open source currency has great potential a bit like google has become the default search engine for many of us and then like then there's some people who are like you know i have questions about how it works and then there's like hal finney who i think hal finney got the first transaction like um satoshi sent it to him and i think he had the most questions about it which is why some people think hal finney was satoshi nakamoto Um, and I think he was also the first one to like write out the, like the total addressable market for it. I remember reading that one time where he's like, well, if this got adopted, like, you know, each one of these coins is going to be worth like over a million dollars. Right. And he like broke down why, which is like, you know, it's hard to even discuss that now today. That sounds weird. Imagine 2009, you're on a forum and, you know, somebody posts this thing about how they're creating, you know, the new world money. And you're like, well, you know. That means this little random thing that I could go mine on my computer. You could just send me 5,000 of these right now. Like, yeah, that each one of those could be worth a million dollars. And to me, that was really impressive. The people who saw it for what it is, which is like, you know, a true innovation, something that's great, something that could catch on. I'm pretty blown away by that.
1: Me too. I think it's amazing. When I read it, I, I feel inspired. And I think that's why I got obsessed a little bit with Paul LaRue is like, just these people who just have this self belief and vision, even if it's like a horrible vision, and go out and like do it, it's and they're in the depths of the internet, it's really interesting. And this and and I've been reading all of the uh Satoshi's forum posts and just seeing these just like you can click and see these guys' profiles, like they're wearing fedoras and like crocodile dundee hats. Like they're the nerd the nerdy the nerd, the guys who like I would dismiss and be like, Oh, what are you know? like, okay, nerd, like you you're smart, but like you're just outlandish. I can't believe anything. Uh, that you're doing. You read this and they're incredibly thoughtful and they like are taking it seriously right off the bat. And I admire that. And uh, it's a really, really fun thing to read.
0: If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think it's on the, you know, who, I think it was like a forum. At, it was called the P2P Foundation or something like that it was the, the original forum that this was on. It was like a Ning forum or something like that. And so, you know, the people who hang out in these types of forums, right, they're obviously like pretty hardcore either into peer-to-peer into cryptography into these different subjects and so you know um hanging out at the fringes hanging out i gave a talk recently for um a bunch of people in the midwest they like zoomed me in and they were like we just want you to talk to our group and one of them asked they go you know you said something about like surrounding yourself with interested you know like interested people how do you do that like what do you actually do to do that and i basically told him i go um I'm a pretty like normal person. Like I like catchy songs by Katy Perry. I, I don't have like great music dates. I like if something's in the top 40, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, like it's not like I have this like this nose for the next big thing. But there are people who who have that. That's their superpower. And so I used to make fun of those people because every time they would do something weird, I would be like, oh, weird. And then I'd point out how weird it is and I would kind of laugh at it. And they didn't really care because they weren't trying to be cool anyways. Um like, I remember my, in college, the guy who lived next door to me, uh, this guy Tofiq, he was, I walked in, he was, like, playing a video game, say like StarCraft or something like that, and he, like, turned to talk to me, and the game kept going, and I was like, are you even playing? Like, are you just, are you just, is this is a computer? And he was like, he's like, yeah, I'm just, wa-. he's like, no, I'm watching uh, the match from last night in Korea. I'm like, what? You're watching somebody else play video games? Is back in, you know, it must have been 2006 or something like that. He's like, yeah, I'm watching a recording of this game, this match that happened in the Korean server, and I'm like, dude, say five more lame things, uh, like, you know, yeah. than that. Like, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can say, <laughs> say tell five me things. you're a virgin
1: without telling me you're a virgin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, oh, okay, like never coming in this room again. And then later, like, you know, fast forward ten years or whatever, sell, sell our our company gets acquired by Twitch, and all of a sudden, my title is like director of esports or something like that. And he calls me, he's like, you motherfucker. And he's like, oh, Mr. Esports now, huh? And I was just like, yeah, dude, it's a big thing. You know, you, you were on top of it. And like, I sort of, you know, was embarrassed because like, it was so true. I was making fun of that behavior. And then sure enough, that becomes like such a, you know, like a billion, it was a multi billion dollar idea. I was watching other poop video games. And so I've kind of learned the hard way many times of of making myself, making a fool out of myself on that. Where like now when I hear something weird, I'm just immediately like, let me pull up a chair. So tell me, like, why do you do this? Do other people do this? How often do you do 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 this? Like, and the weirder it is, the more I want to lean into that phenomenon, because I know like it's just a matter of time until I discover that this is like a totally normal behavior. It's like, oh, you only drink Soylent for all your meals. Like, oh, interesting. Are there is there a community of people who do this? Yeah. We're called, you know, whatever biohackers. There's a subreddit with like tens of thousands of us. Like, oh, interesting. You know, you can start to see that the, you know, the future is is already here. It's just not everywhere. And like, how do you how do you get closer to the future? You just find people who already live in the future, do weird stuff, and then you don't judge them. In fact, you just like complete have the opposite reaction I used to have.
1: And this exercise of reading these old blog posts and all the commenters is. I think you just kind of put it in a little more eloquent, eloquent way. But that's exactly what's happening is like you're seeing like I'm trying to pattern recognition is kind of a stupid buzzword. But like you're trying to like see like, well, I know for sure that A, this sounds silly at first and B, it worked. So like what does this like pattern of like people dismissing and like coming up with like, like and how do I not make that same mistake? The guy that you talked about, uh, what was the form called? The peer to peer Yeah, I I, so I on the very bottom of the forum, it says like about and you could like read who the owner is. And he's just a professor in Berlin or something like he's just a guy. And uh, (laughs) it's pretty fascinating. I'm like, man, like all these people were it's 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 like, you know, they 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 this kind of weird to say, but they're like they, they were around when Jesus was around. Like, you know, like they like saw this like thing that like potentially changes. Want the next thousand years or the next five hundred years of history, and they like saw it, and I think that's really right. fascinating.
0: So, dude, uh, I put this in the milk road. I don't know if you saw this thing about like so Peter. So the big Bitcoin conference just happened in Miami. Yeah,
1: yeah that was really that was really good. Uh, on Friday, you did that, right?
0: Yeah, I did that one on Friday. That was that, was that the highest that, rated one. Yeah, uh, that
1: killed it. That was so good.
0: But did you? I don't know if you saw the clip. I think I linked to the clip in there of. So Peter Thiel goes, he gives this talk at the Bitcoin conference in 2022, just happened. And he, it, the, before he comes out, they played on the on the big screen, this video that I had seen before. I think I even talked about it on here once, but there's this video, I, I've watched a ton of old Peter Thiel videos. So there's a video of him giving a talk in 1999 and he's talking about the idea of a currency not owned by, uh, by the government. And basically this like this two minute clip of Peter Thiel basically describing Bitcoin without saying the word Bitcoin. And he didn't know how it would work, but he's like, you know... The world needs a currency that's not controlled by, you know, the central banks of different countries, blah, blah, blah. And I think PayPal originally, that was their vision was to create. They used to have shirts that said one currency to rule them all or something like that. It was like this I, the original idea of PayPal was to create one global virtual currency. And they shifted away from that later. Like, and he said he at this talk, he goes, yeah, we went to something that was more practical and it kind of worked, but like it was less ambitious. And like you could tell he kind of like, regretted it which is like we, before we wanted to create our own financial system. And then like,
1: we settled got on really PayPal. hard
0: and we settled on, Oh, PayPal. It's a payments network that like, it works with your existing bank with the existing dollar currency and with your, to send to somebody else's existing bank. So we're just like a funnel to like funnel money through. And like, yeah, that was cool. But like, um, man, this other thing was the big idea and Bitcoin kind of proved that that was the big idea, you know, later on. But him giving that talk in 1999 to me is so crazy like that's one of the greatest like calls I've ever seen of just calling it with what's going to happen and why it's going to happen. And in that talk, he's like, he's like, uh, you know, the, this currency will live on your cell phone outside of a bank. Um, you know, smartphones are going to be a thing. And you think about it. It's like, Oh, 1999, man, iPhone came out in 2007. So he's predicting smartphone. He's like, we're already seeing the adoption of smartphones in Finland. And he also said,
1: <laughs> he gave a five year term and you're like, he it was 10 but he got it right.
0: Yeah, he's like a billion he's like there will be a billion smartphone devices in the next 5 years. It took 10 years but like a billion devices like there was never a, there was never a billion user product. Like there weren't a billion people who had computers ever. Um there weren't a billion people I don't even think that used televisions. I think the cell phone was the first thing where it was like a smartphone was like the first thing where a billion people had this product. So of course if you launch an app that works your addressable market is a billion people who could download your app like right. Im- immediately. Like it's kind of an overlooked fact about why mobile was so big. It's just like well there wasn't ever a billion people who could have used your product before this. Like your restaurant could never serve a billion people. Your store could never serve a billion people. Like McDonald's couldn't even serve a billion people no matter how many locations they open. Like the cell phone was really the first thing that was able to do that, you know, that quickly. And um and so he's you know when he was talking about like smartphone adoption is rising in Finland, I'm like who even Pays attention to what's going on in Finland, dude. Like, if I asked you right now, if I said point to Finland on a map, could you think you could point to Finland on a map right no. now? Like, I mean, either. And so, to it's me, like, like,
1: Finland, Denmark, and like Holland and Sweden are all the same thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I don't know, dude.
1: It's like, that's where white,
0: you're white people you're live. clean and you're yeah. nice. I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> and so, like, I thought about that. I'm like, oh, no wonder the people who were hanging out with Peter Thiel went on to do like some Wait, pretty. sorry, hold on. What? Yeah. Hey, Ma, sorry, there's some. Ra-
1: my bad. There's some like <laughs> random guy like w- knocking on my window. All right, sorry. Go ahead.
0: So I was saying that you know the, it's no wonder that people hanging out with Peter Thiel ended up going on to do amazing things, right? Like if you've ever heard of the PayPal Mafia, it's like yeah, like people who worked at PayPal went on to create YouTube and LinkedIn and Tesla and SpaceX and Yelp and Affirm and like I think there's like over ten billion dollar companies that came out of the PayPal Mafia. And um, like Kiva, like one of the best nonprofits came out of that. And so it's like, dude, why is that? It's because you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are already thinking about the future living in the future. They're all weird nerds. And I remember the the, one of the co-founders of PayPal, Max Levchin, he had this thing where he's like, he was interviewing somebody and the guy started like talking about how like, he's like, yeah, I love to play pick up hoops. He's like, we're not hiring this guy. He's like, Why well, he's like, Oh my god. He's like he's like, No no great programmer I know plays pick up basketball. <laughs> he's like,
1: dude, well that's what we said about the guys who were doing ICOs. We're like, dude, if your teeth are really white and you got abs, and if you have a Ferrari, and if your last name is also a first name, that's four out of four. You out. <laughs> like like if your last name is Curtis Tucker Scherf. or John, like you're out. Like no St. John's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, these things like, I mean, you get canceled today for being like, I'm not going to hire someone who plays pickup hoops. hoops. Um, but like, and, and I think they even said something back then, they go, your goal as a startup is to basically build a cult. And they're like, the more cult-like you can make your company, the better. And like, that's not popular. I think they've all, they don't say that stuff in public anymore because now they're like, you know, bigger public figures. But like, I think that startup advice is actually fantastic startup advice. Now the cult doesn't need to be all people of the same race or gender or anything like that. It's like, people who are all believe like religiously in the mission. And then people who kind of be- behave in a way that's like, they're willing to work way harder, sleep in the office. Like, you know, they're, they're willing to go to bat for this thing because, you know, they're like members of a cult. They sort of have lost them, their own personal identity to the greater identity of the group. That is like a pretty hard force to bet against and beat.
1: Dude, this gets me inspired. How, how do you think this was actually a third topic I was going to ask you? How do you think, Guys like Peter Thiel, who I, I don't know his background, but I think it was pretty modest. Uh, how do people like him? L- l- how are they right so often? Or, or I mean, do they just make a ton of guesses and they're only right a couple of times? But it, I, I don't understand like that idea of thinking. I think I think big, and then I like talk to or I listen to him, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm I'm nobody.
0: Yeah, uh, dude, t- when you hear him talk, it's like when you're in a plane that takes off and all of a sudden the houses start to look like little toys and the people start to look like ants. The cars look like, you know, a little flecks. It's like, that's how, that's how my brain feels when I hear Peter Thiel talk. I'm like, oh, I am a small simpleton. You know, I'm a single cell organism compared to this guy in terms of just like where, where my brain goes, how, how much conviction I have around my own original thoughts because like, that's his thing, right? Like he's all about being a contrarian and, um, you know, I think Jeff Bezos said this about Peter Thiel. He goes, yeah, that's the thing about contrarians. They're usually wrong. you know." And uh, somebody else said, like, you know, Peter's constantly predicting sort of like the end of the world and the market crash. And like, you just remember it, the two times he was right in the 20 years and like the four times he was wrong, it just seemed like he was a little bit late on his prediction. And um, so, so I think there's definitely something to like, you know, being wrong a bunch, but it's like when you're, it's more like when you're right, you're right in a major, major way. And I think he was right about PayPal in a major way. I think he was right about, Uh, facebook in a major way right he was the first investor in facebook he bought a 500 about a 10 percent stake in facebook for 500 grand all right so like that was the best investment of the decade i think you know like uh, at that time and so you know he was right in a major way about that um you know the last time he kind of went on tour he was right about two very contrarian things one was trump where all of a sudden like he was the only guy in silicon valley that was like publicly supporting trump went spoke at the at the convention was like we need Donald Trump to be president, and at the time, it was sort of like Donald Trump was the underdog; he was not supposed to win. And like Peter Thiel picked that horse pretty early; I thought That's that crazy. was kind of impressive. And like also, he gets off on it being contrarian. You could tell. Uh, and then the, totally. the, the the other one that he was right about was uh, when he created the Thiel Fellowship. So he basically went on stage. He had this, which was
1: laughable at first.
0: And he had he had this talk where he goes and he goes. Uh, University, you know, college education is a bubble. It's the greatest bubble since the housing crisis. This is right after the the housing bubble popped. He's like, the next bubble is college education. And people are like, who goes against education? Like, go ask 100 out of 100 politicians, parents, anybody who's not pro education. And like, he was the first guy to be like, college education is a complete bubble. And he explained why it was a bubble that like, you know, people go for basically this like certificate. This, he goes, it's a, he goes, it's an insurance product, partially. He goes, uh, you know, it's an insurance for, you know, parents to buy for their kids so that they don't fall through the cracks of society. He said it's like a a, a certification product. You know, you don't go there to learn. You go there to get your certificate. Um, and it, it, so he he's, was calling out college and then he created the Teal Fellowship, which was kind of a genius move because he put up, I think, at the beginning $2 million. But that two million dollars was like two hundred million dollars of free publicity for himself because he he made it bold where he's like not just like here's an alternative to college for people who don't want to go. He's like, well, it, explain what it is. For- dro- yeah. It was he came out. He goes, I will pay you a hundred thousand dollars to drop out of college. And it's like, oh shit, you know, like keep this man away from my children. Like, you know, it, it was like a seemed like a not good thing to do. And then he explained why. He's like, college is is you know a complete bubble. But then, how did and- he
1: get his money back from that again?
0: I think he invested in the projects. I'm not sure. Well, for example, Ethereum came out of that, which is a $300 billion product, uh, which is kind of ironic because he doesn't, he never claims victory on it. And in fact, at the Bitcoin conference, he kind of shit on Ethereum, which is a bit weird. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know why he's, I, I I would think he'd be taking a victory lap because like Vitalik right. being a, a Teal fellow was like the total validation of the, the Teal fellowship. But I think Figma I came invested out of that too. in
1: uh, Owner.com, you know <laughs> Owner.com? Did you ever see uh, that company? I know about it. Yeah, he's a he's one of those guys. I and, and about two or three more. I've invested in about three of them, maybe.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I heard it kind of mixed things about the project, the, the program itself. But like, there's no doubt, like, good stuff came of it. Like, if if just Figma came out of it, the program was like a win. You know, like I'd a ten billion dollar Figma company. came out of it. Yeah, damn, um, dude. And so you know, and there's many others. There's, there's a bunch of other winners that have come out of it too. But like, so so this guy's like been. Uh, you know, contrarian and right many, many times. It's very impressive to me. It's more impressive to me than people. Like, obviously, he's very successful, so it's not even like that or success. But if you just showed me one person who's very successful and another another person who is like an original thinker who's right when they go against the grain, damn, I'm more. I have a lot more respect and admiration for the person who was like, went against the grain and had an original thought that was right.
1: Yeah, and it, uh, it's inspiring. I um I was reading today and it said that uh. This is like kind of a weird, a weird tangent, but Jared Kushner, All right, you know, Jared Kushner. Uh, uh,
0: yeah. So who, so who is he? He's he's married to, to the Trump or his brother is married to the Trump.
1: Uh, so there's Jared and Josh. Josh is the yeah. younger one. I think he's like thirty five. He's married to a model and he runs Thrive, which is a VC thing that's like right. immensely successful. His brother is Jared, who I forget his title in the White House, but he was like Trump's right hand man. And he's married, he's to, married Ivanka. to Ivanka, right? yeah. yeah, and like a lot of people think he's evil. He probably is a little bit. He kind of has like a skeleton vibe to him, like a Skeletor, the the villain in He Man or whatever it was. So he's <laughs> like kind of has like a, a vibe to him. But he just announced that, uh, like a few months after leaving the White House, uh, he fu- he he founded a three billion dollar private equity fund. And like, regardless, you put politics aside, um, like it. Crazy that that's just like your thing like you you ended that you you ended what like like when i end a job i take like a a lot of people take like a three-week vacation and they go start another job that's like 20 percent higher in salary and a little bit better title yeah, exactly. and like he just like was like oh you know i'm like i've got some free time now i'm gonna like you know beep pop, boop just do this thing it's just a three billion dollar fund and like i find that to be it's the same thing of like i feel like an ant and you are not that you know what i mean
0: yeah exactly um I know exactly what you mean. It does beg the question of like, you know, why why do I not go bigger? And also, um, you know, is there a reason that I don't go bigger? Like, is there a reason, Sam, that you don't go create a three billion dollar private equity fund?
1: There's there's two reasons. The first is fear. So like, it is scary to do that to like raise like for to raise outside fear of failure. Yeah, to raise outside money and fuck it up. That's bad. But number two, I do think that there is. I don't know if Peter Thiel has this, but Elon Musk for sure has this. Did you read that article in the New Yorker or New York Times where he describes his life? He's like basically he was talking to the interviewer and he was starting to cry in the interview. And he's like He's like,
0: You don't want to be me. Yeah, he
1: basically said, He's like, I miss my brother's wedding. I or he was like, I was about to miss it, but I flew in at the last minute. I saw it, immediately got on the plane. He was like, There was like a time a few weeks ago where for five days I didn't leave the factory. I didn't see the sunshine. I don't see my children. Uh, I had a birthday, but no friends came and said happy birthday to me because I was running around uh, the factory and like I'm lonely and I'm pretty sad, to be honest. And frankly, death, I look forward to it as a way of relief. That's like what Jeez. he said.
0: He said all that.
1: Yes, and uh, Jesus Christ, like Elon. the, the take, whole death take thing a might nap, been...
0: bro. Take yeah, a, take a nap. <laughs> Just do it. Just try it. <laughs> a little advice, one, one brother to another.
1: Take a nap. Well, and it's like, so I think there's one aspect where it's like, well, I don't want to like be this like this slave to this computer and the machine. Like, f that. Um, and I want to live life, but I do think that there. And I, I I haven't formulated this entire this thought entirely. I do think there's a world where you can go big and have some work life balance. though, actually,
0: so do so, you think so, that's true? Yeah, of course, of course it's true. Uh, you just got to decide your terms, right? Like, um, and, and and as soon as you decide those terms, watch you'll figure out a way to make it happen, or you'll find people who make it happen. I I am so anti. There's one way to win, or there's even one definition of winning. Like that's if I if I could. Just be more, the anti one thing. That's the thing I'd be most anti because I used to fall into a trap. I'd see somebody doing something one way or I would hear advice that makes sense. And then I'd kind of like, and it's like later in life, I found the counterfactual. It's like, wait, but this guy doesn't do that. Wait, this, 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 that lady did both. Right. Like, so hold on. If both is an option, then I'm taking both every day of the week. It's only when I accept that both is not an option. I fall into this trap of misery of around picking one or the other. Right. Of like lifestyle and, and, uh, and like, you know, ambition. So, um, so I definitely think you can do both. I play this game though. So I have two games that I play about any project that I'm doing. And this is kind of like my, I kind of exec coach myself. And I re- really always ask two questions. I go, I go for the first question is if, and I ask this to other founders too, which is if I was to meet up with you, you know, if we hung out 12 months from now, we're grabbing a beer and I'm like, Hey, what happened with that thing, man? What happened with trends? That was such a cool idea. Like what went wrong? What do you think is the most likely thing you're going to say in that moment where you're like, ah, dude, here's what, you know, here's where we we messed up or here's what was we turned out, here's what we thought that we turned out, we were, turns out was wrong. Um, so it helps you identify the riskiest part of your business, either the riskiest assumption you're making, the thing you need to go validate or the risky path that you're going on where you're cutting off other options or you're not, you know, you're really leaving yourself, you know, one move away from failure. So I always ask that question and the way, I don't know why, like, if you just ask somebody straight up, like what's the biggest risk in your business? They answer it one way. It's like, but this other way with, I think people can relate to, which is like, if I see you a year from now, and we're just grabbing a beer, hanging out. It's like, I just, let's just presume already it's gone wrong. What was the cause of death? You know, like what do you, what do you think was the reason that, that, so that's one. The second one, the game we played yesterday with the milk road, um, it was, it's called the, the why the fuck aren't you game? And it's basically, it's like, it's like either why the fuck are you or aren't you? Which is like, What part? If I was just an objective person looking at what we're doing, would I say, "Why the fuck are you guys doing this? Like, why aren't you hiring somebody to do that? It's taking you five hours a day, and like, you should totally. You could could you not find somebody to do that part? Or like, why aren't you like, why aren't you at this Bitcoin conference? Like, aren't you building a crypto product? Like, shouldn't you be at this event? Um, like, there's just like this series of like, why are you or why aren't yous? And it's like, why the f aren't you? Which kind of distills it down into like, what's the obvious. Good idea or bad idea, like good idea we're not doing or bad idea that we are doing um, that I would criticize about ourselves. And we both came up with a list of like three things and it became like, oh, wow, we should just correct those now uh, rather than like. So, so then what's
1: your answer? Why aren't you going bigger? Assuming um, that you're not going big, which is not a fair, a fair assumption, but for the sake of discussion.
0: Yeah. Um, So I, I wouldn't say why am I not going bigger like the Jared Kushner question, you mean, or the questions that I was yeah. asking just now. The Jerry Kushner question, Um, because I want to have, you know, enough, meaning I want to have a, I want to be able to know what is enough. And I want my vision of success to be bigger than just what's going on in my business. So it's like, to me, if you said paint a picture of what winning looks like, it's not just a number in an account or a number in my sales dashboard. It's like, like I, I talk about this all the time. It's this perfect Tuesday. It's like my normal day is perfect for what I want. And that includes like, just like right after this, I'm going to go work out with my trainer in my home gym. Like that's a part of my perfect Tuesday. And if my business then requires me to not have time to do that and I'm like getting fat or whatever, or it doesn't provide me enough money to be able to afford that, then it's not winning. Right. Um, it's like, you know, being able to like take my daughter to swim class, like things like that, like those are part of what winning looks like to me. And so I'm just not going to like, Deviate from that. I'm only gonna the only thing I question is not why don't I go bigger? It's is this picture the picture I really want or is this outdated and do I need Absolutely. to update it? You know, and like that's the thing I find myself being like, oh man, I haven't updated this picture in a while. Or there's just like a gap over here where I don't know what I want. Mm, what would it feel like to know what I want? Okay, let well let me get let me figure that out.
1: Ben Wilson tweeted out uh it's a superpower to know what you really want, right, Ben? And that was was that the tweet?
2: Uh yeah. Uh, what, I, why I really did you tweet think that. What, what uh, did you
0: see or hear that made you tweet that?
2: Um, so, what I saw is that I have had a bunch of people reaching out to me recently. And the people who are like, hey, I'd love to connect, I get so annoyed with. I'm like, <laughs> you just dumped something on my plate for me to like figure out, which I just don't want to do. Whereas the people who are like, hey, I really love what you do, I'm also a podcaster my podcast is this size. I want to get it to this size. I am having trouble in these two issue areas and I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm like, great. You know exactly what you want. I will, I will gladly give you that. Um, and, uh, it's just, it applies almost everywhere in life. Like the guy who comes up to you and is like, Hey, do you have any spare change? No, I don't have any spare change. Hey, I need $2 and 50 cents to get a ride home on the bus. Do you have $2 and 50 cents? All right. I guess I got $2 and 50 cents. Like right. it's a superpower in every
0: way. So, uh, so, so I like that you said that there's a, a tweet that my cousin put out yesterday. My cousin, he's on Twitter. Rohan, dude, who,
1: her, it, uh, he, great guy. According to Twitter, he's killing it. I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. uh, I haven't <laughs> talked to him in forever, but like he, his updates. He's I'm killing like, it dude,
0: at looking like he's killing it. I don't know if he's no, actually killing it. I haven't caught up in it no, in a while. I don't but, want,
1: like, I'm not disrespecting him at all. I'm saying like his like his updates are amazing. He just bought like 20,000 square feet of something like he's on top of the game.
0: Yeah. And actually he did a good job of figuring out what he wanted. Bro, you he
1: just was, called out your cousin. You should take that back.
0: What? I love my cousin. No, he's great. Um, but I, I actually meant that as a compliment. There's a skill, okay. there's a skill, especially in his line of business, which is real estate. There's a skill to putting forward your, like putting your, either your brain on brain forward, like sharing ideas. Like he put out a thing of like how I do diligence on properties. It was like a great checklist. It's like, oh, You're just putting out great on point information. It makes me trust you. Makes me think this guy knows what he's talking about. Or if it's like like our friend Nick Huber does this, too. It's like he'll send us a picture of him smoking a cigar, you know, playing golf at, you know, 1 p.m. It's like, wow, this guy must be killing it. Like, you don't uh, you don't get to go out, smoke a cigar and play golf, you know, 1 p.m. regularly unless you're doing really well. It makes me more likely to invest in Nick Huber's storage company that I know that he's doing well in life. Like some people take it as an anti-signal like, Oh, why, why isn't he working hard to me? I'm like, no, if you're, if you're able to like do well in life, that means you're doing something right. And so like, your cousin I'm, I'm tweet, more though. Trust me. so he tweeted something out. He goes, I'm looking for like a car, like a new SUV. It's like kind of a general vague thing. And so what he, he And he, then he like defined it right afterwards. So specifically he goes, the experience, you know, the, the user experience of a Tesla, the size of an Escalade, the, um, he goes with enough room for three car seats and a pair of golf clubs. And I was like, first of all, isn't there just a more fun way to look for a car? Like just to kind of imagine really what you want and like sink into the vividness of like just having it and not like worrying about the world. Tesla doesn't make a big car like that. Esca- no, fuck that. I'm not. I'm not grounded in reality. I'm living over here in my reality of what I want. And he's only he's got one kid. So I'm like, you know, three car seats. All right. He's planning ahead. Like, that's good. And, um, and I just thought it was a great example of like specificity. So, so to me, a lot of people are vague in general when they should really be being specific. And then the opposite is also true. Sometimes people are like, man, I don't know what I want specifically. And they get tied up in a knot because of that. And my trainer had a great framework for that. He goes, you got to know when to be general and when to be specific. He goes, if you, uh, like sometimes you will tell you, you need to be more specific with what you want. That means like the type of description my cousin gave about like, you know, the lifestyle right. that, 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 what he described as a car is not just a car; it's a lifestyle. And um, and then the second thing is like, when do you be va- when do you be general? So he, so my trainer, I was like, well, what if I don't know what I want, right? Like, if he said, what you know, what's your body goal, right? His personal trainer, I'd be like, well, I don't really have a picture. Like, I don't know if I want to. Like, I could say, oh, I just want to have like a twelve pack, but like, I don't even know if that's true, right? I'm like, I don't know exactly what I want. And he's like, cool, just imagine satisfaction. He goes, just just first get to a place of feeling satisfied about it where you don't stress, you're not stressed about it anymore. He goes, he goes, you know, relief is a very powerful emotion. Satisfaction is a powerful emotion. He goes, most people feel relieved one time a day and it's when they poop. And he goes, and now people bring their phone in and they're not even paying attention. They miss it. They miss out on the one moment of relief they were going to have that day. He goes, so I get good at feeling relief. I want to practice feeling relieved and satisfied because once you get good at feeling relieved and satisfied, you know what things you want. You're, you're faster to figure out what things you want that will lead back to that emotion. And like you're just better at being satisfied from a meal or a workout or whatever it is, these daily things in your life. He goes, let's he goes, Let, and so we made a, a deal. It's like I'm I'm gonna be relieved more times than I poop today. And it's like that's the goal. <laughs> that's the that's first hilarious. goal. The from your <laughs> trainer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what a smart ass dude. By the way, to talk about the real what your cousin's doing on real estate. I've talked to a bunch of these real estate guys, so and I'm friends with a lot of them. Keith Wasserman, um, uh Chris F- uh, Fort. Is that his name? Fort? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Nick Huber, Moses Kagan, your cousin's getting in there, the strip mall guy. So there's like 10 of them that are like really popular, maybe 20. And I see the returns. They're really good. And the fees that they charge are crazy high. <laughs> or, But like, you know, who cares? It's a, I, I'm in Nick's Huber's thing. It's a, a huge fee, but like I, I'm getting a good return. So I don't care. It. This is one of the coolest things that's happening on Twitter right now is these real estate people are just crushing it all through Twitter. It's pretty amazing.
0: I think some of them have shared that they bring in like tens of millions of dollars of investor money just off of people who are like, I'm a fan of your Twitter. Yes. Uh, Which is like, that means if you're in real estate, like do what my cousins do, do what these guys are doing, like up your Twitter game because it is going to lead to more deals and it's going to lead to more investors in your fund that you don't have to go knock on doors for. It's way easier to just tweet out stuff than it is to go like do one hour calls and seminars and webinars and in-person meetups trying to like schmooze for a buck.
1: Well, I have Um, no idea how big Nick Huber, this is Nick Huber from Sweaty Startup. I have no idea how big his portfolio is, but I wouldn't actually be surprised if it was over nine figures. And I bet you if it is, most of it came via Twitter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know exactly, but I agree with where you're, where you're headed there. And also, um, th- that's also the one reason I haven't invested in a lot of these guys is because the fee structure, like, which might be to my detriment, but like one thing I don't fundamentally like about real estate fees is that they all make this like two, 3% like acquisition fee. Yeah. Which like, you know, you will buy like a $50 million thing and it's like, Wow. So you just banked a million dollars in your pocket just for buying the thing, which leads you to an incentive, which is go buy Buy. more shit instead of being like really um, discerning between like a great property and a good property. It's like just go accumulate. And like, I think Nick has a little bit of a different strategy because he's got like a kind of like a template now of like he buys the self-storage thing. It cuts out a bunch of the labor. He adds in these automations. And so he like has a playbook of how to add value that I think not every investor says they have. I don't think they really have it. Um, I think Nick actually does a great job of that. But like in general, I would say one reason I've shied away is because I dislike this, incent- this, this incentive mismatch where like you're, you're incentivized to take my money and go buy something because you get money today that's guaranteed. That doesn't re- – does not linked to your returns. It's only linked to your returns over a long period of time. And by then, you've already banked these acquisition fees 15 times over by the time we figure out if these were good deals or not. And I have and so no
1: idea if they're killing it because they're skilled. Although many of the all the people I named I I've talked to, they appear skilled. But I'm a novice. But also, they just happen to be in the game like starting six years ago, and we're yeah, going through exactly. like the greatest like boom real in real bro, estate. Man. Yeah. So like, of course, they're killing it. Uh, but uh, the numbers are. I mean, I, I'm an investor of Nick, and I see the returns. I'm like, oh yeah, dude, I'll give you more. If, but I have and, no and by idea. The way,
0: if I was Nick, I would I would do exactly what he's doing. I charge the highest fees I can, and be like. You're still getting a great return, correct? All right, fantastic. If you can go beat that return somewhere else, I invite you to do it, um, which is like, you know, he, he's not as upfront about that, but like, that's how I would do exactly what he's doing. So I don't knock him for that. I think that's, a, it's what I would do if I was in that position where I know I could generate great returns. Um, but like on my side, I just, I hesitate as an investor in that sort of thing, but maybe it's not, that's to my detriment. Do, um,
1: do you want to do more topics or do you want to save yours for Wednesday?
0: Let's do let's do a couple ideas. Uh, right. I think people people like ideas. If you made it to the end of the episode, congratulations! All right, so let me pitch you two ideas real quick. One is called what I'm calling "copy my trip." Okay, right. so I'm booking a vacation right now, taking the family on a vacation. Great and idea, I it's a great name thank you came up with it myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh even the business idea <laughs> with the idea of a family vacation um <laughs> so so i'm like i'm like googling i'm like okay unless i want to go to hawaii for example so i'm like all right i want to go to hawaii all right which island i don't fucking know okay uh which resort oh god here we go gotta figure out which resort and like it matters like it's gonna change my experience if i go to the wrong place or the right place but like and then i'm like and then all the details in between like okay so if i take my kids what do I do? Do I rent a car? Do I get car seats? Do I take the shuttle? Uh, do we go on this activity? Is that age appropriate? And so what I want is my wife follows all these influencers on Instagram. that are like mommy influencers. And when they buy something, she's like, that's a good thing. I'm going to buy that thing, too. And like because she's like, look, we have the same taste. And like these people, they're not qu- like they kind of are promoting things that they're that like they have a good track record. Like so she's like bought a couple of the things that look good and like paid off. So she's like now has more trust in them. I don't get why they can't or maybe they do this. I don't know. But like, I don't get why they're not just saying copy my trip. You want to go to Disneyland? Literally click this. And like, here's the like full itinerary of like, we fly into this airport. We take this transportation to this hotel because it's great for families for these reasons. We buy this thing, this thing, whatever. And like, I just get their whole trip that I can copy. And that they have basically like a, a TikTok or like Instagram story version that I can just browse it to be like, oh, yeah, this looks fun. I want to do this. Like, well, I went on Expedia and I'm like, this is awful experience. It's overwhelming. It's like, Here's an overwhelming list of a hundred options ranked in five different ways. Then I clicked the fucking thing. I don't know if the reviews are real or not. I'm looking at the photos. They don't have all the photos. It's like a photo, it's like static photo from like a fucking airplane above the resort. It's like, dude, I just want to see like someone walk into the room and be like, oh, this is really nice. The bed's good. The you know, there's space over here, and like, oh, this is cool. They give you breakfast every morning. Like, check this out. You know, like like an Instagram story, right? So I just think that there should be an inst- a thing called copy my trip that anyone could do. It'll create a profession of basically professional travelers, like people who they go find the best path of how to have a trip to, you know, Bali or whatever. <clears throat> and like Sam, you might follow somebody who's got like a fitness oriented angle. Right. It's like, Oh yeah. They want to like go. They, this person likes Airbnbs versus hotels. So I like aligned with them. And then it's like, they went and trained at this gym and got Muay Thai classes when they went to Thailand. Like, that's awesome. That's the type of trip I want to have. So I'm gonna just copy their trip. Dude, well, I'm like, on use board with as a that. Springboard.
1: We could do it. We uh, do it for trips and weddings. Whenever I like saw my wife like working so hard at this wedding, I'm like, dude, just find someone else and just do the exact same thing. No one will know. Who cares? <laughs> or her, her, her younger sister's getting married, and I'm like, dude, just do exactly what we did. It was great. It was an awesome <laughs> wedding. And of course, obviously, they don't like that. But I'm like, yeah, just do the exact
0: same thing. It was we all had a great time, right? Uh, yeah, bachelor parties exactly. yeah <laughs> birthday parties i want to yeah. copy or i want to copy your work which is like it's pinterest but just like the whole thing strung together so how and like and you would just lifestyle.
1: you would just do it where like uh someone uploads an itinerary and then you and then you people rate it and you pay them money and buy it
0: yeah exactly so um so you you don't even have to buy the trip like just by doing the trip those people get paid mad money from affiliates like if I book that resort because this person said this resort is awesome, I'm going to get a kickback of like all the things that they recommend. Now That's pretty it's pretty, some perverse incentive, but like everybody kind of offers a kickback. So I think you can basically through affiliates, you could monetize this pretty heavily for the, for the creator themselves, which, you, which is which you could do is you could say it's not about like creator. You just recommend what you genuinely recommend. We're going to take the entire pool of affiliate fees and then pay it out based on whose trip got copied. Even if, that hotel doesn't have to pay you to like promote them. You know what I mean? I would do something like that. Where are you going? Hawaii. (laughs) Oh,
1: that's cool. And and you haven't found like a
0: fictional example. This is a real example.
1: And you haven't been able to find a, a,
0: no, I'm like, so first I went on whatever Expedia and I was like, Oh God, miserable. Don't want to do this. Okay. What else can I do? Okay. I could tweet this out. Then I'm going to get a bunch of recommendations. All right. That might work, but that only works for me because I got a big following. All right. I was like, how do how do people do this? And I was like, okay, let me go to I was like, let me go look at like, you know, an Instagram person I follow. But like they're not gonna happen to post about it that day. So like it needs to be saved somewhere, like a link in the bio of like, or like, you know, one of their Instagram story highlights, which is like take one of our trips. And it's like, you know, they always do this, like uh they do this with fashion. It's called like um, I like, I buy like, or some shit like that. It's like, if you like my outfits, you can go here and like you can buy any of the items for my outfit and they get a kickback. So I like that for trips. Um, And then I went on YouTube and I was watching like, okay, you know, watch this like family vlog at a, at one of the resorts. And I'm like, and they're okay, but it's like this eight minute video. And it's just that one aspect. It doesn't tell me about all the other shit that I could go do when I'm there and all that stuff. So anyways, I I just think that
1: there's there's elements
0: of this happening. It's just somebody should make this like an explicit thing. I think
1: I, uh, Jack Smith uses, uh, uh, VAs to do stuff constantly. And he, he's like, at one point he even had some VAs going into hotels into different countries and like taking pictures and sending it to him to let him know what it was (laughs) but on a on a lighter (laughs) for real on a lighter level outrageous thing I've ever heard it's crazy and on a lighter
0: (laughs) wait did he pay for them to go on vacation (laughs) like he found a local VA yeah he's like he would find a
1: local person he's like hey can you go to these three hotels and take pictures and let me know and then he would like show them to his wife like all right which ones do you want uh it was pretty Dude, it was, I'm
0: calling him Jack LaRue from now on. That's so, La- so crazy. He kind of similar to that. <laughs> Dude, he just
1: sent me a picture. Uh, and it was him and Andrew Wilkinson. And he's like, look, I, I'm with Andrew. And they have their TED Talk badge on. And so they're clearly at, at TED together. And I was like, oh, how <laughs> funny. And uh, uh, Jack's he, awesome. Yeah. And anyway, he uh, does this all the time. And it's actually really interesting. And there's this company called Tr- Flight Fox. Do you know what Flight Fox is?
0: It's is that like where you'll just is it like somebody will book it for it? Is like is it a travel agent or is it the one where you're like, I just want something? Give me like the best deal. Like, no, it's
1: amazing. So I have no idea how they make this work. So basically, you go to Flight Fox and you always have to click the button that says you're traveling for business. And then a person you select like, I want to go around this. I want to go this day and I want to come back on this time. Or you can even say, I want to go around this time. Um, and then you like leave like notes like I've got a budget, a blank or I only want first class or uh, I have to be back for a wedding. So I, can't, I have to make sure there's backup flights and someone on the other end pops up and goes, hey, what's going on? I'm whatever. I'm here to help you. And it's a real person. And they go and they find five to ten different flights that fit what you want. And then you finally say, all right, this itinerary looks good. Or you you could even reply and be like, "Uh, this one actually, I had a change of plans. I've got to change this, this and this. And... They'll go and find flights for you and they find the cheapest ones and they know where to search for them. And they only get paid until after you book the flight and they just take a $50 fee. I have no idea how they make money. And then <laughs> like when I was in Portugal, my flight got canceled. So I just logged on and I go, hey, the flight you booked got, was canceled. Can you you know address it, please? And they call for you and they wait on hold for you and then you just pay them 50 bucks. It's amazing. Wow. I have no idea how this makes money or how they c- can make that work.
0: <laughs> yeah, Get it while it lasts. <laughs> it's 50 awesome. Bucks. That's that's amazing. <laughs> um, that's like I I, th- I think I told you about this thing I did once mo points mo points.com it's, it's our it's our it's our good buddy Ramon's good buddy. Oh,
1: yeah 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 yeah.
0: This was like one of the best things I uh, I did. It's like I booked this call with them and so you go to mo, mo points.com just like m o points.com. And basically it solves the problem of like what credit card should I get? And so you just call this guy and he's like, all right, look, like, again, you could just Google what credit card should I get? Guess what? You're going to get like the most SEO optimized blog posts in the world because they they can make so much money off referring credit cards. And you don't know if you're really getting the real deal. And so I just called this guy 30 minutes and he was like, all right, tell me about what you spend on and tell me what you want. Do you want to travel like a baller? Like, he's like, look, I travel first class worldwide just off this. He's like, I'm not rich. I just, but I use points to do it. Here's how. And I was like, yeah, I want that. And so he's like, cool, get the Amex gold. He's like, you're going to get 4x points on all your Facebook ads for your e-commerce thing. You're going to get one for you, one for your wife. So now you're going to get like 2 million points or whatever, like in the next year. He's like, then to travel, you just do this, you you transfer points, like don't book within their points portal, because that's what I used to do. I used to go to my points thing and be like, "Uh, rewards, flights. Oh man, I get like half a flight for all my chase points. Like, no, you need to transfer to travel partners. And then there you need to like, check this out. You use like KLM to fly, you know, here, here and here. And he's like, just call me when you want to book. He's like, for now, buy the Amex Gold, start racking up your points. When you want to book first class worldwide, just call me again. And I was like, dude, I feel so taken care of. This was like the best money I've ever spent. um, Just in terms of the, the, again, the relief of like ah, I'm in good hands, right? Like the real Allstate, I'm in good hands is fucking Mo from Mo Points, dude. I'm and a, so I'm a fan. Of I like these certain, businesses,
1: I, and I like the model of these things are typically monetized through affiliates, but instead, you're just going to pay, and I'll give you a more honest answer. I actually, I, I like that idea a lot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, me, me too. I think it's great, and um, and uh, yeah, people should go sign up for that thing because if if you spend a significant amount on like for your business. It's like, I mean, it just makes financial sense to like optimize that. So you're either going to get the best cash back. Like, you know, I found out, oh, if I use this Bank of America Platinum Honors cashback card, I get 2.6% back cash back, which is like way higher than anybody else so, gives does, you. Does
1: that mean it basically adds 2% to your bottom line?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I, I yeah, take so 2. Like 2.6%.
2: Meaningful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so you know, if you're spending, you know, uh, 100 grand a month on ads, which is like very common for e-commerce to use a round, round number here. Now you're getting $2600 a month back um just straight to your bottom line right like that just so makes then, sense like, or you can reinvest that a 5000 person
1: company or like BCG who sends people all around the world do they just have like a bank full of like points
0: i, I don't know what they do i actually asked my previous startup this i go i go what do we do with all the points we collect who gets to use those and I, I think they said that they just cash them. They just do the ca- cash back, basically, or they just convert them to cash, which is like not the most efficient way to use it, but like, you know, for simply the fair way to do it. And they just like, you know, keep it. Uh, I was like, who, ke- who keeps it? <laughs> yeah, <let me> get <laughs> Where that. is this money?
1: <laughs> I kept I used our points at the hustle and I, I flew first class like twice a month. It was sick. And then when I sold the company, I didn't have that perk anymore. I was like, damn, I got to pay for a flight for the first time in four years. It sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you got to negotiate that in. I well, I kept
1: them. I got to keep all the points. We had like a million points, but I didn't get to. uh, I didn't get future points.
0: Gotcha. All right, uh, that's it. I'll save my other ideas for the next one.
1: And you got a crime baby. Yeah, I know. All right, thank you.